Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Center's podcast. Om Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Malam Sharirasya Chavaitya Yopa Karotam Pravaram Muninam Patanjalim Pranjali Danatoshmi Om Salute Repeat after me. Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Malam Sharirasya Chavaitya Kena Malam Sharirasya Chavaitya Kena Yopa Karotam Pravaram Muninam Tanjalim Pranjali Ranatoshmi Tanjalim Pranjali Ranatoshmi Super Sarana Pada, second book, the book on Sarana, the book on spiritual practice. <coughs> we went up to Sutra number twenty eight uh, yesterday. Um, and today is the last day and uh, yesterday we went over some philosophical stuff and today we will go into the yamas and the, ni- and the niyamas which I s- suppose you have heard about before so um, let's see so the first one is simple <coughs> 229 it goes like this yama niyama asana pranayama so what this says very simple oh no repeat after me yama niyama asana pranayama pratyahara tarana tiana sap samarayo tiana samarayo Ashta Mangani. Ashta Mangani. Very good. So what this says is <coughs> that um, oh, we have this uh, sutra right before the 28 that says wi- that the kleshas are being thinned out, destructed, um, eliminated um, by the practice of yoga. And when that happens, the lamp of knowledge, the Viveka Kyatya, rises. <coughs> and when the Viveka Kyatya starts to shine its light, then we have um, discriminated uh, discernment. We have the ability to know what <coughs> is this and what is that at all times. Yeah. So, and of course, the key up here is the practice of yoga. So, we have defined that we must do Ekatattva. And here he goes a little bit more into uh, details about uh, what is necessary also for the yogi and what that is is uh, probably Patanjali's jewel that we come to here it is the part of the book which is the DIY and that is this is how you you go about the whole thing and he describes very clearly in uh, in uh, uh, in its um, div- divided into its components what it is that we need to do <coughs> so the first one that we need to do is um, <coughs> we need to uh, abide 
to some social rules, some rules between us, we call that yama. Also, what is important is that we take some commitments, some internal, some personal commitments, observances, that we call the niyama. Then we must have a modality upon which we can practice these social rules that, uh, that uh, is important, and these personal observances, and for that we need a tapas. We need some modality to do that. We need laboratory, we need something to practice on. That is our tapas. And the tapas, he suggests two kinds. He suggests asana and pranayama, one which is of less refined quality and another one which is more subtle. Yeah, pratyah uh, pranayama more subtle. Um, then the fifth one is pratyahara, which is sense withdrawal. When we are starting to practice this, we get uh, control over, over our senses or turn it around. When we practice sense withdrawal, we get better at the tapas. We'll go, mo we'll go into these individually. Then uh, these are the first five of the uh, eight pillars of Ashtanga Yoga, the eight-limbed path, the eight-fold path. Um, and those are called the external practices, the external parts. So Patab used to say, this is what you can do. And the last three is the internal practices. This is the result of what you are doing. Yeah. So you can practice the yamas, you can practice the niyamas. It is an action, it is a doing. You can practice asana, you can practice pranayama, you can practice, practice pratyahara. Uh, tarana needs an object to be practiced upon. So the tarana is a concentration. So to get concentration, you need something to do that upon. So tarana, therefore, is the effect, is the result of the other of the first five. So therefore we call them the internal practices. <coughs> we call them the non-doing practices. Yeah. So of the three last one is Tarana, Tiana, Samata, uh, Samadhi. So those three follow in a strict order. And when they are practiced together, we call it uh, Samyama, which I think we come to a little bit later down here. Samyama is being defined <coughs> in the third chapter here. All right, that was that. Um, sutra number 30 in the second book, book is about the yamas. So what are the yamas? And to that, Patanjali says, Ahimsa Satya Asteya Brahmacharya Aparigraha Yamaha. Repeat after me. Ahimsa, Ahimsa Satya, Satya Asteya, Asteya Brahmacharya, Brahmacharya Aparigraha Yamaha. Yamaha. So the Yamas are, um, let's see if I have written something else down than this guy's. No, I have not. So um, the first one is Ahimsa, and it's the most important one. The idea is that if two people, if a community comes together and they start killing each other, that's the end of the community. Yeah, that's the end of that relationship. Now there's nothing, nothing is possible after that. So if you take it and break it down to its ultimate kind of lowest point, then you can see why it's very, very important. So the next thing is not only do I uh, have to kind of not kill the person next to me to, let to uh, allow anything to start to happen in our community, but also maybe I can also try not to be hurtful. 
I can also work like the, the next level of subtlety after not killing is like not hurting, yeah? So um, of course both of those are in. So the traditional way we translate the word um, ahimsa, himsa means violence. Ahimsa means no violence, non-violence. Ah, violence. So it's like a non-violent approach to other people, first of all. This is a, this is a, a social, um, these are rules between us as people, yeah, or any between everything in Prakriti, you and everything else, therefore also yourself, yeah. The Buddhists, they say it in a little different way. They say there must be loving kindness, which is like the positive way, like the what it should be, and the, the yogis, they say what it shouldn't be somehow. But it's the same idea. Okay. Um, I think that's all I have to say about that. <coughs> um, good. And <laughs> why? No, I. I uh, sorry. I don't want to bring this uh, to um, uh, to go into those details. They come a little bit later. So actually, right now, I jumped ahead. And I was supposed, and I started to talk about uh, number 235, and that was incorrect. I was supposed to talk about number 31. So, ahimsa satya steya brahmacharya aparigraha yamaha. Those are the yamas. Now, the yamas are very important uh, to the yogi. Um, and we talk about that in the next one. So, number 31 sorry for my confusion, goes like this. Jati Desha Kala, Jati Desha Kala, Samyana Vachinaha, Sarva Bhauma Mahavratam. Repeat after me. Jati Desha Kala, Samyana Avachinaha, Sarva Bhauma Mahavratam. So what this says, it's talking about Mahavritam. Vritam means a vow. Maha means uh, great, means a big one. So this is the great vow of the yogi. It's a very important one. So if you want to be a true yogi, then you are, uh, you are making this vow that you cannot go back on. No matter who you are, who you were born to, where you were born, in which part of the world, and, and, um, to, and to whom you were, you were born to, and in which circumstance um, anything uh, uh, might happen, um, and not depending on any other aspect at all. So what is said here is you must, if you take, if you want to be a yogi that is moving towards the state of union of yoga, samadhi, and if that is what you're trying to do, then you must take the yamas as your great vow. And there's no way around that. Yeah? So that is for the renunciate. That is for the true yogi, the renunciate. Now, if you're going a way that is more, um, which is a little bit different road than the kriya yogi, so the Kriya Yogi is the, is the path of action. He can live in this world. So the other yogi, the renunciate yogi, that's the guy who lives in the forest alone, meditates all day. 
or in the cave in the Himalayas and so forth. The, the guy in the Himalayas, the guy in the forest, he is taking the Mahavritam. Now, for the Kriya Yogi, for the householder, it, there is a Nirvritam. So the Nirvritam is of a lesser, a lower type of the same vow. So that means, yeah, maybe you can kill somebody. No, it doesn't mean <laughs> that, right? But it means that whereas the renunciate, he, no matter, no matter what happens, he cannot violate the ahimsa, he cannot violate the paradigm of non-hurting, we can be a little bit more, you know, like, for instance, if Devi comes in here and he uh, wants to start yoga and he is being really bad in here, then maybe I say, you cannot come anymore. So there is a hurtful action that I am taking something away from him where he has a possibility to uh, learn yoga. So as a householder, I can do that. But as a renunciate, that would be very dubious to do that. Because there's a hurt in that. Is it making sense? So no matter who I am, no matter who I'm born to, no matter the circumstance of the event, no matter where and no matter when, that is the Mahavritam. It is also the Nirvritam. It just has a little more buoyancy in it. Okay? So I think this is an interesting uh, and a one very key, for me this is a key sutra, because what it says here is that if you are on the path of yoga, there's a higher standard as a higher ethical standard. If you are not on the path of yoga, if you are not committed to any yoga stuff, then there is not that in the same way. And if you are somewhere in between, then you are somewhere in between. So when we, as yogis, we come down here and we like very much the sensitivity and the respect and the love and all that kind of stuff that happens in our community and between us, but when we walk out into the real world and we meet a businessman, that tries to take every dollar off us. So we go and buy a car and we realize we could have bought it a thousand dollars anywhere else. He's just like he managed to cheat us. Then that is to be expected because he has not taken that vow. He has probably taken a different vow, conscious or unconscious, that if he doesn't squeeze as many dollars out of any situation, He's not true to his profession. Do you know what I mean? Something like that. So, and it is a very different logic than what we work on, but it is a, it is a parallel logic. He's a businessman. He must try to get as much money out of any situation at any time. I'm a yogi. I am only supposed to take what is mine. And I'm also only supposed to take what is mine, even if it is given. But that we come to that in a second. Yeah, you see the difference. With yogis, we there's a diff there's a higher standard for us. This also why it is more problematic with the inappropriate touching that Tatabi Joyce 
did to women, then the whole kind of sick paradigm that Harvey Weinstein functioned in. Because Harvey Weinstein, he, Steen or whatever his name is, he had not made a Mahavaritam. I suppose that it's time to get sick. So therefore, it's like, ooh, yeah. <coughs> Let's continue. Code of conduct, that's a good way of saying it. Yes. Um, so now we go on to 32, we go on to the to the niyamas. <coughs> and the niyamas, that's five of those two. They are Saucha Santosha, Tapasvatyaya, Ishvara Pranthanani, Niyamaha. Repeat after me. Saucha, Santosha, Tapas, Svatyaya, Ishvara. Pranitanani Niyamaha. So the personal commitments, the personal observances, the, the, the internal rule of conduct, did you say that? Code of conduct. Mm -hmm. The internal code of conduct would be a purity, a certain sense of purity and, and, and to be uh, uh, clean. And um, I'm looking for a word, I can't remember. You know what I mean. And to have contentment is usually what we say. I prefer to call it appreciation. And there's a sense of appreciation, austerity, that there is a, um, uh, I think that's a weird, a difficult word in these times. I prefer to tapas, I prefer to call it that we commit to um, uh, act in a way that leads to positive transformation instead of just whatever. And we have such a modality. Um, that there is Svatyaya, uh, that there is uh, study, that there is self-study, and traditionally that means that if you want to study what the self is, that means you're studying what Atman is, you're studying what soul is. So which, where do you go to study that? You go to scripture. If you are a Christian, you will go to the Bible and that type of study. If you are uh, uh, committing, to, uh, you are inspired by, if you have your orientation towards the more Indian philosophical part, then you will study the, uh, the Vedas, uh, you will study the Upanishads, um, the Puranas, and so forth. If you are a yogi, then you want to study the Yoga Sutras, you probably want to study the Bhagavad Gita too. If you're a doctor, you want to study, you know, anatomy. If you are a film editor, then you need to figure out how your computer works, you know, and so forth. Making sense? <coughs> so uh, there's that, and then finally there's the devotion to God, and we've been breaking that down into different uh, entities, like in its the simplicity is that there must be some surrendered, serene, honest, um, uh, devotional dedication um, to a principle um, of pureness principle that is pure or to absolute reality and so forth which we have been discussing a little bit like what is Ishvara what is God for you right okay so uh, that was the Niyamas <coughs> let's go to number 33 which is a very interesting one so uh, Sutra 33, second book. Vitarka Padane Pratipaksha Pavanam. Repeat after me. Vitarka 
ಭಾರನೆ ಪ್ರತಿಪಕ್ಷ ಭಾವನಂ ಸೊ ದಿಸ್ ಒನ್ ಟಾಕ್ಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಹಾಂಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ನೆಗೆಟಿವ್ ಥಾಟ್ಸ್ ಯು ಶುಡ್ ಡು ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಯು ಶುಡ್ ಇನ್ಸ್ಟೆಡ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಗುಡ್ ಥಾಟ್ಸ್ yeah or the way that um edwin bryan says here i like what he says you should you should take counter action um you should counter it with some thoughts which is useful all right so the uh, pedagogy question w- when he talks about negative thoughts what do you think he's talking about think about where we are like what have we just been talking about of an ashtanga yes of the yamas niyamas exactly right so he is saying what you want to have going on you want to have thoughts words and actions of yama and niyama when you have that that is positive stuff that is positive thoughts when you find yourself involved in thoughts actions words that are not that that means now you're involved in negative stuff because the yamas niyamas are the definition of good stuff so when you are involved when you find yourself thinking thoughts doing stuff talking in ways which violate the yamas or the niyamas then you know that you are somehow a little bit not being so yogi and then it's a good idea to turn that around now that that can be uh i think that david smells really bad could be that right <laughs> it could also it could also be i'm such a bad guy i never do anything right everything i touch turns to like a more depressive type thoughts so it could be internal or it could be external yeah so when i have this kind of thoughts then patanjali says that is not very useful if i think that david smells bad i have two options i can move myself away from david or i can ask him if he will clean himself those are, th- are my options and the same with myself if i start to think i'm a bad guy it is N- not very useful to think that i need to figure out like okay what is it that i'm doing wrong or can i find some appreciation for who i am or is there a part of me that is pure and, and nice and so forth yeah turn it around yes but this would also be practical because this is would be how i for instance treat david so or i- like i i can go and hit him you know i hit him that would be i violate ahimsa now that would be wrong then patanjali says please don't do that find a counter action within you a counter thought that makes you not hit david does that make sense which is like um hit chloe instead now <laughs> Yes. I was like Yeah. 
Is what? Yes. So you're in front of me now, and I have all these thoughts about how poor a person I am. Jarring. Yeah, where do, you e where do you even start, right? Yeah, I don't know. Patricia, like, maybe you can say, you do uh, Navasana better than I do. You know, or, you know the Navasana that you're doing right now? I do it exactly like you do. And um, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, that would be lying, yes. No, but like, if that was the case, right? If that was the case, or... You know, then now you maybe you can help her with the counteraction. Like in principle, that's what you want to try to find out. Yeah. And I don't think it helps to say, no, you're not. Yeah, but there's some psychology there. Yeah, something, you know, you're going to have to figure out. I think maybe Anne is a professional in this. Uh, Reframe it, is that the professional term, kind of? Yeah, reframe it in, and I would ask her, how would she like it to look to enter into her practice? How would she like to work with this woman working with her practice today? Just reframing it. It wasn't about you, it wasn't about the outcome. No, I mean, yeah. but it is pretty heavy. It's very heavy. You could have this was promising. Yes. Yes. I, so I the fact that you heard her was going to be enough. Just stay with this and hear how you're no, feeling about yourself. I'm gonna just gonna cut conversation. It's super interesting conversation, but we have some more sutras. <laughs> but if I can just make <laughs> it's great. So if I I can just make a little advertisement. So on the twenty third. 26 or something of March, uh, Anne and four other extremely knowledgeable people will be sitting up here at the table um, and talking about trauma and yoga related issues. And each of those are experts in their field. And as you may perhaps can hear, uh, um, Anne is uh, working with such stuff professionally. So you can hear Anne talk more about this and uh, other people. If you would like to come, we would love to see you. We can't remember the date, but <laughs> it's the 23rd. It's the 23rd. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. You better come the 23rd and. <coughs> okay. Okay. All right. So. Um. Here's one solution that has, is, has been suggested that when you uh, re are repeating, in this case, you know, to yourself, and when you're repeating negative thoughts to yourself, it's not that uh, Patanjali asks you to instantly find love and say, 
shine love on it because we probably don't have it inside but he says at, at least something like at least we can say huh this lady if we can if she can say my current mind is not useful it is not a practical state that I would shout this at me at the same time as, my, uh, time as I'm doing it it's uh, going to go deeper into make take me into deeper uh, uh, suffering which in a philosophical uh, level is going to make me go into greater ignorance and separation of the truth yeah because everything non-yama niyama is going to take us that direction easier said than done okay <coughs> number 34 So it sounds like this. Vitalka himsa ataya krita kalita anumodita loba kroda mora loba kroda moha purvaka mridumadiya de matra tuka agnya anantapala iti pratipaksha pavanam. Let's do that in one go all together. No, <laughs> let's not do that. So repeat after me. Vitalka himsa ataya krita. Karita, Anumodita, Loba, Kroda, Moha, Purvaka, Mridu, Madhya, Adimatra, Tukha, Agnana, Ananta, Pala, Iti, Pratipaksha, Pavanam. Very good. Uh, it is simpler than it seems like so let's see here um, oh the, we just talked about it so the definition of negative thoughts are the opposite of the yamas niyamas um, <coughs> they may be, may be uh, so he goes yes salute. he goes a little into detail here so he says those might be thoughts words or actions they might be your own actions they might be an action that you ask someone to carry out for you. Like instead of me kicking out uh, David, I ask um, uh, uh, Astrid to kick out Dani, uh, David. You know, that would be still on me. Or it might be something that I carry out on behalf of someone else. For instance, that my wife doesn't like David to come here. So therefore, I kick David out. It's still the same principle. Yes, still we have to adhere to that. Um, so the negative uh, thoughts might come from anger, fear, greed, uh, uh, and uh, frustration, and so forth, which is basically a byproduct of the pleasures and the disturbances. <coughs> and they might be of intense, less intense, or medium intense character. But the bottom line is that when we experience them, we have to cultivate counteracting tools. How do we cultivate counteracting tools? You know. Yes, that's <laughs> if it's they are available, but sometimes you are in a thundercloud, right? 
but like so in general if you were to try to make sure that not so many negative thoughts would come to your your mind or in another way if i want to thin out those thoughts from your mind what would what is Patanjali suggesting Yeah, but how do we get to that place where we are non-hurtful people? Practice, practice, practice what? <laughs> now we're back again. We pra we're practicing. We're trying to get better at yamas and yamas. We do that by practice. Then we thin out the what? The kleshas. How? What is the method to thin out the kleshas? Ekatatva. Ekatatva Yeah. Every time you say practice. That's what you want to think. You practice is a vyasa. So when you say practice, you want to think one-pointed practice. Practice on one object. Yeah. Ika tatva, ika one tatva thing. Practice. One thing. One thing. Practice. Oh, <coughs> sounds very Indian, right? Oh, what am I supposed to do here today? Oh, so you take it one thing. Practice. Okay. All right. So up to here to 34, uh, potentially he's been like going a little bit general about like some of these things, the, par the paradigm of the Eightfold Path. From here on, he starts to go into uh, the five uh, Yamas uh, one by one, and then he goes into the five Niyamas one by one. The first one is Ahimsa. So if you look at, oh, we will be saying it first, and first I will be saying it. So it goes like this, Ahimsa Pratishtayam Tatranidao Vaira Tyagaha. Repeat after me. Ahimsa, Ahimsa. Pratistayam, Pratistayam. Tat, Tat. Sanidau Vaira Chagaha. All right. So um, the, f the, the word that's going to come again and again and again and again here is Pratistayam. And it uh, means to be established in, that something has taken firm root. So what he's saying here, he says ahimsa pratistayam, and with that he means when ahimsa has taken firm root, when ahimsa has been thoroughly established, yeah? So when ahimsa has been thoroughly established, uh, when nonviolence has taken full root, then peacefulness with and for everyone will be the baseline. There will be no fearing and all enmity will end. And I'm not sure how to explain it, but I think if you walk into a room and you have no bad intentions for anyone, more the opposite, there will be a change in the way people treat you. Yeah? If everyone has that experience, there will be a very different environment that, that we are in. There will be, by the end of the day, no enmity at all. Yeah? Next one, number 36, is about uh, Satya. <coughs> Where did we go? Satya Pratishtayam Kriya Pala Ashra Yatvam. So let's give that a try. Satya Pratishtayam Kriya Pala Ashra Yatvam. So when um, Satya, which means truthfulness, honesty, is uh, thoroughly established, 
um, when the yogi is honest and truthful in every thought, word, and action, then everything that the yogi <coughs> is involved in is truthful, is the truth, is truth. Does it make any sense? Every word he says, every experience of the world that he gets is straight, like clicks straight into things as they really are, is the um, uh, is reality. There, from that point of view, everything becomes true. Everything he touches is therefore true. He so the whole reality changes and everything becomes true. Yeah. All right? It's a little bit metaphysical. Just see if you can uh, accept that. All right, next one. So this is basically a series of postulations that Patanjali uh, makes that says what happens when we are going 100% in to these uh, principles. Yeah? Okay, where did we get to? We get to 236. Let's go to 237. It's about stealing. Asteya pratistayam salvaratno apashtanam. Repeat after me. Asteya pratistayam sarva ratno apashtanam. So it says, when um, a sense of non-stealing, when there is no desire to possess what is doesn't belong to me, when that has been firmly established in me, then all then we live in full abundance. Then all abundance is reveals itself. Or the way that um, it when Brian says all jewels, uh, what is it says manifests. So at this moment, no one is afraid of you gonna take their stuff. Every, so that means no one covers it up. No one hides it. No one is concerned about if you are going to trespass or not. So from this moment when there is no necessity to possess any anything and that's, that is not mine, then, then that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and also it implies that anything that the yogi needs at this moment is being offered to him. It's just coming his way. Because he is detached from it. He can have it or he cannot have it. He needs it, he will get it. If he doesn't need it, he wasn't he won't get it or he won't take it. Probably. Uh, so the law of attraction is, a, is, uh, is not Patanjali. I don't know so much about it, but I have heard a little bit about it. And I know this much. And uh, I have, I have personally not been very interested in it. It seems extremely materialistic to me. It seems like it's, it's, um, it seems like, but I have just heard this much, so I haven't gone deep in. But it seems to me to like correspond a little bit with this kind of miracle church that you have in the in America, where if you are rich, it's because Jesus loves you more. You know, and if you truly devote yourself to Jesus, you can have anything you want, inclusive a Learjet and a diamond encrusted Mercedes, mm -hmm. uh, which is often the, the way that the authority in that tradition presents himself. So, and that is, um, 
I have so much prejudice in that. Mm-hmm. I have so much aversion to that. You know, I just think it's it is so wrong to me. You know, <laughs> so I just when I meet that from my own limitation as a human being, I just go like, yes, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> so I'm the wrong one to ask about uh, the law of attraction because I have some prejudice there about that. All right. Um, next one, number thirty-eight. And, and, and like on like in regards to your the the way you put your question, you have to remember that Patanjali puts forth a particular logic, a particular particular system of thinking, and uh, of an attempt of understanding how the world is. That's all. And next to him are other people that are super smart that present another one, and may, may they might be smarter, they might be less smart. And Patanjali and the Buddha. <coughs> which are both um, both in at least in my uh, book like amazing amazing thinkers mm-hmm. I, to say the least <coughs> and we could like put some other people up like Jesus right next to that um, uh, but and they agree and they disagree you know they agree about the whole first layer of things and then when you start to dive down then I'm not sure that Buddha is going to say and s- that if you established in non-stealing that you um, that all jewels are really little to you I don't know but that's what Patanjali suggests it's kind of which is kind of sad right because that day you don't really care about them so (laughs) 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 okay where are we Brahmacharya Patishtayam Vidya Labaha so now it's getting juicy um, repeat after me, number 38, Brahmacharya, Brahmacharya Pratishtayam, Vidya, Labaha. So you know Vidya, that is like we had Srada, Vidya, Smriti, Samadhi, so Srada is like faith, trust, and Vidya is vitality and vigor and uh, ability to commit. So. What he says here is Brahmacharya, the traditional way of uh, tr- translating that. If you go to India and you say Brahmacharya, they think one thing. They think they, they hear celibacy. So the way that this is translated here in the most conservative, orthodox way is that when celibacy has taken full root and in, the, in the yogi, then the yogi gets very powerful. So there's a couple of ways to think about this. First of all, is that the juices that we have inside is uh, like the uh, um, the Amrit Bindu, um, which is the essence of the essence of the nutritious and spiritual nutritious uh, matters that works within us that we want to try to build a large reservoir from or prana, the energy that runs uh, through our veins, that we want more of that. (coughs) Now, if we are living in a situation where, oh, and if we, as a man, if you constantly let go of your semen, it is considered the semen is is a um, very powerful vehicle for these uh, principles like prana and amrit bindu. So if you let go of your semen a lot as a man, then you're supposed to lose your vitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah? 
uh, and I'm not sure how that works for women, if it even uh, applies to women, because this was in this time, this was all men, right? So I would, uh, uh, so, <coughs> but so that's one way to see it. So if you have a lot of sex, you lose your energy. That's one way to see it. Another way, which is a little more liberal way, is that Brahmacharya, if you are a Brahmacharya, then you are a person for whom Brahma is your main focus. So I'm not exactly sure how Charya exactly translates. Sometimes we use it as a, as a teacher, a yoga Charya. But I think what it means is it's someone that has their full attention, that has an Ekatattva Vyasaha, that has a, a one-pointed focus on Brahma. So it is one that is established in Brahma. So and Brahma is the is the God or God the, or the ultimate or ultimate reality uh, or reality itself. So if you are um, established uh, uh, in in that, then all your energy moves towards that, and you will gain all the boons that come from doing that. Inclusive, because you are interested in how the world is put together, you will get the n nurturing from from that. If you disregard that, then you will lose your powers in the world because you simply don't understand it. Yeah. So that's another way of uh, like that's the complete kind of like other side of looking at that. Something in between might be to say celibacy was a requirement for the true yogi, for the renunciate, but for the householder celibacy is not required. What is required is that you have sex under certain conditions. That is acceptable. And if you don't, then we are into this situation where you are losing your power. So if I'm a married man, I can have sex with my wife. I cannot have sex with David's wife. I cannot have sex with David's wife's dog. I cannot have sex with... <laughs> there's many, many entities in the world that I cannot have sex with. Yeah? But that's one I can have sex with. Now, if we then pull a little bit into yoga also, then there are certain circumstances that must be, that must be there to have sex. I think also in the West. I can have sex with my wife, like when we are alone, it's usually a, a thing that is appreciated <laughs> in our society, right? <laughs> so, and, uh, uh, and, from, uh, and the, from the yogic point of view, there's something about when the moon is up and when the moon is down and when you're breathing through one nostril and you're breathing through the other nostrils. <laughs> if you have read Patabi Joy's Yoga Mala, yeah. then I can't remember, does anyone remember? It's like when you are like it's like once a month if you are breathing through your left nostril, yeah. you know, and it has to be before midnight. But you know, it's like one of those like, all right, good luck, man. Like, yeah. yes, it's like. <laughs> so, um, oh yes, that or oh, everybody who practices Miami Life Center, they do it like that. <laughs> You didn't know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is part of the waiver that you have signed, you know. Maybe that's why the English is like that. They got sick of that. Maybe. I would imagine so. 
but Pachanjali doesn't talk about that. But I think what what I, what I personally think that you should think this of is like ethical sexual behavior, whatever yeah. it means to you. Yeah. Yes, integrity and intimate, like uh, integrity uh, um, to be an ethical person, kind of like ethical integrity mm-hmm. in sexual relations. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, I think this points a little bit towards sex, like that one is like... Well, it is pretty intimate, right? Sometimes, you know, yes. Yes, yeah, so here's my understanding. You, the, and one of the reasons that Patabi Joy says, when we say, should we use the, read the Yoga Sutras? He says, no, they're too difficult or too complicated. He says, read Bhagavad Gita, because Bhagavad Gita is for the householder, it's for like every man. Yeah. Now, this is particularly for the, what is it that the uh, householder wa- want? Does he really want like Nirbija uh, Samadhi? Um, nah. He's looking for his kids to grow up and have a good life, you know, a decent uh, relationship with the world and themselves and so forth. So, and the Yoga Sutras is for the person that is looking for Nibbija Samadhi. Or it is offering the steps towards Nibbija Samadhi. So if you are reading the Yoga Sutras, you're kind of like reading about a path that leads to that. So is it, does it really apply to you? Eh. you know. At the same time, he's considered the Albert Einstein of uh, yoga. Mm-hmm. What Albert Einstein is to... Science? Yeah, maybe not science, but uh, atomic science, or what is his field? Quantum physics. Quantum physics? Yeah. Yes, not like... Eco, e- eco, irrelative and so forth. Like not to ecology. That's not his focus, right? He had a different focus. Was like, yeah, you know what I mean. All right, good. All right, shall we go on? Number thirty-nine. <coughs> Repeat after me. Aparikraha. Stayde. Janma, Janma, Katanda, Sambodaha. And this is a very interesting one. This says if you are well established in a sense of detachment to everything non essential, um, then you gain consciousness of your previous birth and your future births. Good luck. Yeah? yeah? So, here is um, here is a suggestion. <coughs> so I've been looking a little bit for some explanation for this, and I was re-listening to uh, my I in, I uh, record everything that I learned from from Professor Rao, but uh, I couldn't really find like anything that I thought was use useful. So here's a possibility of what is being said here. So when we reach this state where we like of detachment, non-attachment, uh, non-dependency and possessiveness, 
that is uh, to our body as in our prakriti that means we're starting to move into a state where we are seeing through the mesh yeah we're seeing through maya we're seeing through the apparent reality and we're starting to see that there's something else so maybe now we're starting to gain some kind of attraction or some kind of understanding that we are the atman the purusha and not the pra pra prakriti when we begin to gain that uh, intellectual or experiential um, uh, experience information then we also start to experience or understand two levels of different different things um, that I am not just this body but I am something else that is now currently occupying this body so therefore now I start to understand that there's been something before and there's something after and therefore I also start to sit with an experience of everything I do as a result as of everything I did before as in the samskaras as in the cyclic uh, wheel of um, uh, action repercussion new action because of that and so forth yeah karma, klesha, samskara make sense so I am thinking that maybe it's something like that and um, yeah that would be my suggestion to you and th and then like we sit there with that uh, realization and as we have that realization we can also see that if we just sit back then we can see exactly where all this is gonna go it's gonna continue all my thoughts as they are they're gonna continue so, so forth so then I can choose that or I can choose to intercept by Kriya Yoga, by Igatatva Vyasaha, and say, all right, that path is suffering, I realize that, so uh, yes, but no thanks. Let's see if I can like bend the path to something that creates a little bit less suffering and that makes me lose this body and end up in nothingness. Yeah? I think maybe that's what's uh, going on here, but I'm not sure. No, I don't want questions right now. But after I would like some, sorry. Because we're at 2.40 and I'm supposed to go to 2.55 and it's 2 o'clock. Yeah, sorry. Usually I do, but not today. All right, so 2.40. Here, repeat after me. Saucate. Chukupsaha. 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 Why did you get so timid on that? Paraehi. Asam Sarkaha. Alright, so it says here that when you have when you start then the yogi starts to develop a sense of of um, of uh, uh, embodiment of the principle of cleanliness and purity, then and when that is firmly established, then the, um, the yogi begins to, de to develop. Ciao, Kimberly. Time to fly. So nice to meet you. Hope we meet again. Good luck with the hand. With the hand. Safe travels. Okay. So when that happens, then the, the yogi starts to, uh, to develop a distaste for his own body. Ugh, yuck. Yeah, <coughs> so 
um, and also for contact with other people. Um, so, um, here's what I think. So here's an example that is possible, and I, again, I cannot really find some juice on that. So, uh, when the body is a heavy thing, and the body, and maybe you're green, it's a thing, you know, like, when I'm in India, then I, I'm there to do asana. And then I'm trying to make my body, uh, to do everything I can to make the body work as good as I can. And then, you know, I, uh, I have to eat at some specific times, and then someone says, would you like to do this for me at 12 o'clock? And then I say, yes, and then I think, oh no, I have to feed my body at 12 o'clock. Because that is the best time for me to feed my body. Also one o'clock is also fine. But that time of the day, sorry Linda, I can't go out with you and have fun because that is the time I feed my body. So it's so dependent. There's so many things that I need to do with that body is annoying. It's like having a small child, you know, or something. <laughs> I don't know, I, that was, no, that came across a little weird. But you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> it's like some entity that depends on you, you know? But, so I, it's like I have this thing that I need to feed it, I need to clean it, and I need to exercise it, and I need to put it to sleep, and I need to do all these things, right? Where if I didn't have this body, like, and then on the other side, like, I, I experience, like, how the mind is free and doesn't need all that from me. Like, and it can flicker on good days, it just, like, flickers with insights, and it can re even remember things sometimes. And there's this like delight to my brain where I can play games up there and I can be in the Maldives in a second and back. I can go Maldives, New York, Tokyo, my favorite donut store and back. And I can do it in a flash. Now if I have to do it with my body, holy cow, that's a big trouble. Yeah, it costs lots of money to do that. So there's something so attractive about the mind without the body. S um, and I think maybe we're going a little bit in that direction. Yeah? Or you know, you got get to your mat and it's like, Ugh, it is so tired and it's so stiff. And I know when I have done these asanas, it feels better, but like, oh my God, couldn't I have a little bit less like bind in that body? Could I be less bound in the body? I wish it was more like the mind somehow. Maybe that's what it's meant. And the same thing in relationship to others. There's also so many entanglement when we are together with others. <coughs> okay, number 41. Sattva shuttihi saumanasya ika griindriya jayatma darshana yoga tvancha. Repeat after me. Sattva shuttihi saumanasya ika griindriya jayatma darshana yogi tvancha. Very good. So when the mind starts to be purified, when the mind starts to move towards a sattvic quality, um, 
then that, and we begin to find that clarity by Viveka, then there's some qualities which is uh, att attributed to the sattvic state. And that, uh, those qualities is uh, um, spontaneous one-pointedness, spontaneous sense control, spontaneous true knowing of everything there is to know. Um, uh, and with that, there will be a lightness an awakenness, a vividness within us. There would be a calm stability, um, a silence, a quietness. There would be a joyfulness. There would be a lightning quick flickering of understanding and therefore responses. There would be an instant knowing when we encounter anything. And first and foremost, there would be a true sense of who am I? Who I am? Yeah? Um, That's it. When the yogic mind become clear, the, the sattvic quality becomes dominant. And that is pretty much that. Yoo-hoo. That sounds pretty nice, no? <laughs> All right. Or said in another word, when you hang out with a yogi, it's fun. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 2.42. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. No, oh, yes. When you hang out with a yogi, he's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what time it is. Yes. Okay. But he's having a good time somehow. All right. Number 42. Santoshate Anuttamaha Sukha Labaha. Repeat after me. Santoshate Anuttamaha Sukha Labaha. And that was number what? That was number 42. So when the yogi is established in the sense of respect, contentment, appreciation, then nothing can shake his world. There will be a happiness <coughs> and there at whatever circumstance because nothing is a problem. Because he's kind of pretty happy. He's just like happy. So someone steals his car, he's like, it was just a car. Someone steals his wife, it was just a... W no, 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 I'm just <laughs> kidding. But, um, he's like, okay, you know, he's willing to deal with it uh, uh, for w what it is. There will be ease and peace in each situation. There will be... He lives in, the, in a state of sheer delight, of sheer sukha, in that way, because he has that attitude. Now, let me give you an example of how that like play out a little bit maybe in the real life. So I, I had a friend, don't know what happened to her, and I forgot her name, and she was a Buddhist nun. She was a Westerner, she used to be a businessman, she started to fi follow Michael Geshe, is that his name? Uh, Michael Geshe, Michael Roach. And um, then uh, blah, blah, blah. She was a nun when I met her. So she was in a period of her training as a nun, where she was required to look at everything that happened to her as an angel bringing insight, bringing knowledge to her, no matter what happened. That was how she explained it to me. So uh, she actually she said that anything that happened is an angel bringing a, a divine gift. That was the particular word she used. So. You know, she would go out and someone stole her car. She was thinking, what am I, what can I learn here? What is the lesson here? 
what's going on in this situation. Yes, the car is gone. What can I get out of that? Yeah? And then she would come out and then someone would give her two donuts instead of when she paid for one donut. donut and she would go, what can I get out of that? What is going on here? What, I, what, what is being revealed to me here? That was her entire day. Everything she was doing. At the time when I met her, she was studying uh, with Pitab Joyce in Mysore. So it was interesting to talk to her. You know, and she was not bothered by anything. You know, things were difficult. You know, someone stole her scooter. She would be like, how am I going to get home? But she was not like, how am I going to get home? She was like, how am I going to get home? Right? That was it. So that was some type of santosha in her that was very inspiring to meet. It is 10 minutes past 2. I am over the time. We have another 13 sutras. If you need to go, I'm going to miss you. Now, if you need to go, it is totally acceptable. Do you have another 20 minutes? I'll try to get us to the end. Yeah? If, if not, it's totally acceptable. If you need to use the bathroom, that's also acceptable. <laughs> if you, you can also just go behind the little curtain and do it there. Okay. All right, so the next one is about tapas. Ciao, Dana. See you. Kayendriya sittihi ashudiksha te tapasaha. So what this one says is that when we are doing tapas then our body and our senses they clean out <coughs> and when they clean out then there is um, a boon then there is a benefit um, and that is that we gain Whatever you want. Thank you. It, I'm so just. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon, Gabi. Um, that the boon is perfection in prakriti. Yeah, perfection. Our oh, the sorry. He doesn't say prakriti. He says kaya indriya. Kaya means body. Indriya is the senses. So he says then our body functions at its optimal and our senses functions at its optimal that we get from tapas, from practice, from ikatatva vyasaha. Or tapas and practice clears and cleans the body and the senses. All impurities are removed, falls away. When I say impurities, what does that mean? Where does samskara come from? What is the root of samskara? Pleasure. Yes, you're right. But it was like one more back. Yeah? So, um, all the pleasures are being removed from tapas. The senses has become unclocked. So, what you experience is true. You can now see that it's not like a dirty lens where you can't really see what's going on. Um, like once I brought my computer to the Apple store and I said I think I have a scratch in my screen and then he did like this 
<laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and then I said, thank you very much. <laughs> like that, you know, my senses was, my, my booty thought my senses was wrong, but then Ishwara came and did like this. <laughs> little, little bit of tapas, everything was fine. Okay. So what this is means that when the senses are clean, then we start to understand what is what. We start to understand what is the self, what is not the self. We are no longer functioning in the uh, paradigm of the rope mistaken for a snake. There's no more rabbit horns, there's no more turtle hairs. That is what tapas, tapas brings about. Yeah? Okay, <coughs> 244. Uh, so, what he says, oh, repeat after me. Svataya de. Ista. Devata. Samprayogaha. So, Ista Devata is kind of a little Indian uh, cultural phenomenon here. Ista Devata is your favorite god, is your favorite uh, expression of god. So let's say that you are a, uh, a Hindu, then there's different representations of Brahman. You can be interested in the uh, kind of like the all-encompassing uh, expression of, uh, of uh, Brahman that has been personified, which is Vishnu. You can be interested in the joyful aspect of and creative aspect of uh, this idea of Godhead or absoluteness or uh, everythingness that is playfulness um, and joyfulness and then you would go after Krishna. If you are interested in um, the devotion and dedication and commitment and power and ability to go forth with faith then you are interested in Hanuman and so, f so forward. So that's different ones. In uh, Christianity, we kind of don't, doesn't, we do not have a lot of those, like the Christian Christian, like as, as in Jesus, we have kind of one, right? If you are a Catholic, you got a few more options. You got the saints also you can connect up. And Buddha, in, in Buddhism, they have several also. So, um, now, uh, if I look, for instance, at the Hindu picture there as an example, I'm not so interested in Saraswati, who is the one that has abundance and give you what you want. It is not my, my, I'm not so attracted to that. But there's something about Krishna, who is like, he is creation. And he, there he's, he's joy and his playfulness. Th there's something there that just like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, I can use that for something. Like, resonates for me somehow. Then Big Tim to mill out in, uh, in Sinidas, he's a Hanuman kind of guy. Yeah, so he's like, he's just like by whatever samskara he sits with, he's interested in that dude. Yeah, so now here is what is being suggested, that by study of scriptures and study of the self, your personal guide in your life is being revealed. You will start to figure out who is it that works for you. And that of course has to do with figuring out who I am. Because that means that for me, Playfulness is more important than out for Tim Miller out there. For him, de de devotion is more important. Does that make sense? Oh, like, not because I choose it, but because it just how it sits with me. Kind of. Yeah? We begin to connect with what nurtures us and what does not. 
we begin to connect with what brings stuff into our lives that is of use to us. When study, when sincere, honest, dedicated, devotional study begins to take root, we realize who we are and therefore who God is to us. It's a simple way of saying it. Who's my God? You can also turn it on its head. I go to the gym every day. I have the best six-pack in town. It's all that I study. That has that's my God. That's my six-pack. In effect, because it's all I put my mind to. Does that make any sense? Okay. <coughs> Number 45. Samadhi Siddhi Ishvara Pranithana Te. Repeat after me. Samadhi Siddhi Ishvara Pranithana Te. So in the action of surrender, the state of, amadi, of samadhi comes along easier. So when you are practicing Ishvana Pranitanani, when you are willing to surrender and worship God or the Godhead or the Absolute that we will realize through samadhi, then the boon is that samadhi comes easier. Yeah. So, and we spoke about that. We have two path: effort and surrender. Surrender is supposed to be like a more kind of like <sighs> it'll take you there. If you have, if you, if you can use God for something, then it's for that. Now, if you cannot use God for anything, then you must walk the path alone. Every step of the way. Yeah, it can also take you there. It's just more effort all right now to have, to have faith yes that's what it is and also we know it like for instance this morning uh leah is not here but i think I sh she wouldn't mind me using her as an example so she got a new asana one of the last days and it's a little difficult and um she kind of did it it's like uh, she's in padmasana you put your hands like this you lean forward into your hands and then you go, you move your, your you kind of like lift slide your legs up here. Then you sit like that, right? So she was kind of doing it, but she was going like this. And then she was up there and she was like. And it was like, and I said to her today, I said, yeah, yeah, that is good. But give me, you know, it looks like you have no confidence when you're doing it. Do it with confidence. And she was afraid to fall on her head, maybe, or she wasn't sure what it was. Or if she, she hadn't chosen to say, I know what this is. And she kind of, that she didn't have trust and faith in herself and confidence that she could do it. And then I said, yes, you do it. Everything is right. Now show me. Now show me. Now do it. And she went, hmm. She went, <laughs> So faith was there. Does that make sense? An expression of faith was there. Confidence was there. She she chose to, to trust it. What happened? I was happy. <laughs> um, it worked out. So faith is like, that is a very concrete way that I understand faith in the daily. 
if I try to lift this, I go. <laughs> yeah. So compared to if I go, oh yeah, then it's there's something different there. That's how you do backspins. <laughs> yes, that's how you do backspins. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. So that was the specifics of the five yamas and the niyamas, the social rules and the personal commitments. Yeah. So there is now ten sutras left. Do you want them or do you not want them? Alright, how about this? I'll go very quick over them, okay? So, the next one is number 46. It's a little bit famous one. Those yogis, we like it, the yoga practitioners. Called Stira Sukhamasanam. Or in some books you see Tatra Stira Sukhamasanam. Repeat after me. Stira, Stira. Sukham, Sukham. Asanam. Asanam. So you can recognize the word Asana here. And Sukha you can also recognize. And maybe Stira as in stitao, as in steadiness, as in stira is like discipline. So what it says here is that asana must be sweet and it must be disciplined at the same time. You must work with a certain balance of effort and willingness to commit with discipline and vigilance. Yet you need its opposite also. You need some relaxation, you need some ease, you need some joy, you need some sweetness, you need some um, yumminess, hospitality to make it work. Yeah? So when these two are there, then asana is correct. Now, when you sometimes see the tatra put in front, then you, s then what that means, tatra means that. So that, that refers to the whole chapter we just went through. So all this, you know, all this work with this, with the yamas and the niyamas and all this, that must be done. That work, the yamas, the niyamas, they must be approached with discipline and yumminess and hospitality and wanting to do it for them to really work out. That's another way. The seat of asana also means seeds. The seat of your uh, yamas and the niyamas must be. Uh, um, worked, was be done uh, from a principle that has both discipline and sweetness within it. Both can be there. Both can be, can be like that. Okay. Alright, the next one, uh, 247, Prayatna Ananta Samapatibyam. Repeat after me. Prayatna Shaitilya Ananta Samapatibyam. Samapati, again, which we spoke a lot about at the end of the last sec, uh, uh, chapter, is uh, Asampragnata Samadhi. It is the first four stages of the Samadhi. It is, sometimes we also just call it meditation or deep absorption. Yeah? So what this is saying is, um, <coughs> by the end of the day, this... Uh, Stira Sukhamasana must, should be, the, this objective should be attained via the relaxation of the effort. So you at some moment have to go beyond pushing for it. One. And two, you must place your Samapati, you must place your mind, your Egatadva on Ishvara, the infinite, on Samadhi. 
yeah you must move you must have your mind put on um, the final result on Nirbija Samadhi that's where you put your mind and then you must begin to release the effort to get there we are getting advanced now this is an advanced state yeah Patabh Josh used to say oh you take it one asana three hours then perfect so the way that I have always understood that is you must release any effort that you cannot hold for three hours because if not you if you don't do that you can't do it for three hours so you go into marchasana d and you're like <laughs> you can just about hold it together for three for five breaths so that means the asana is not perfect yeah oh yeah that was the last test he said then asana perfect he said so i can't remember if i said that so i need to be able to be so good at marchasana d so i can release that I have to be able to go in there and then go <laughs> and then still be there <sighs> and then have such relaxation so in theory I can stay there forever yeah when that happens then I can free my mind until then I can only Ikatatva on <laughs> so that must be released and I must like start to settle into the true seat of the asana when that happens, oh, I can put my mind on my God. Oh, I was trying to make a, a quote here, but I didn't succeed. So, um, Patab Josh used to say, you take it asana, you think you're God. Not my God, you're God. That yoga. No, not that yoga, that yoga. Yeah, that is yoga. All right. So that is possible when effort starts to be chilled a little bit. All right. Uh, next one, 48. Tato dvandva anabhigataha. It's a nice one. Tato dvandva anabhigataha. When that happens, then the realm of duality ceases to exist, goes away. Um, when this balance is achieved, the yogi is no longer subject to the forces of duality. Yeah, so you can see how when you don't have to work hard to be there and you have your mind on God, then everything comes together. Everything comes together to oneness. When that happens, we have the opportunity to leave the uh, state of duality and move into oneness. Yeah? Mm. And another thing that they say is that the yogi, when this is, when asana is mastered, the yogi can find comfort beyond the necessity of sensual pleasures, such as, such as easy and hard, hot, cold, fun, boring, yummy or yucky. Yeah? Yummy, yucky, that's the traditional, no, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> Um, what this means is that, and I think that there is, um, you know how hard asana is, or maybe I'm speaking for myself, but what we learn to do, we learn to work within discomfort. That just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that we stop. Like we start to have a much more useful approach 
to that. It's just, here's an action, it feels good. Lucky me, here's an action, it doesn't feel so good. Oh, unlucky me, does it mean I shouldn't do it? No, you should still do it. Yeah, that's just the way it is. I just, in my little samskaric, eh -eh, I don't like to do it. I still need to do it. Brush my teeth. Tell your four-year-old he needs to brush his teeth. Some days he will, some days he don't not. When he becomes 32, he'll do it every day. No problem. Because it's not about if you like it or not. Yes. It's not about if you like it or not. Brushing your teeth, it is something that just should be done. We know it. Okay. Uh, next one, number 49. Tashmin Sati Svasa Prasvasa. Yorgatihi Vicheda Pran. Oh, yes. Now, sorry. So, what we're going on here is we are um, going a little bit um, out uh, of the. Uh, the benefits, we are now leaving the benefits of the eight limbs and uh, what happens there. And we are coming in to the final states where we are talking about uh, asana and the benefits of asana, which we've just done. And now we go into the final, final bit where he starts to talk about what pranayama is and the benefit and what pratyahara is and the benefit of that. So now we do a little we jump to a new subject, which is pranayama. So, uh, so he says, <coughs> where, did, uh, where are we? Tashmin sati, svasa prasvasa, yurgatihi, vichedaha, pranayamaha. Repeat after me. Tashmin, sati, svasa, prasvasa, ayur, gati, vichedaha, pranayamaha. Actually, it's Yorkati, but let's just forget about that. <laughs> All right. So he says, when asana has been accomplished, when you are successful on a growth plane, when you've understood all this, when you've got the experiences that comes out of that, when you start to master this level of, uh, of prakriti, then we drop to a more subtle uh, uh, level. The, pra the growth practice has, been, has become possible. A subtle type of sadhana now becomes, if not relevant, then necessary. So it is very important in that uh, regard that the yogi realizes when it's time to change. If you, just if you just stick to primary series your whole life, even though you could do every asana, that's not correct. Now, the second series attempts to start to bring your focus to a different type or more internal type of practice. And so now you need to move into the second series. And in the second series, you cannot continue what you did in primary series. You must realize that we are doing the second series for a slightly different, you keep doing all the stuff from primary, but then there's a different focus in the second series that we're trying to push even further. So what you could get away with in primary series, or you can catch your hands, good, keep on going. That alone you cannot get on with in intermediate series because there we need a deeper sense of nervous system control where in the first series we just need body control, physical body control, stamina, stretch, strength, stuff like that. Okay. Um, Another way of saying that, when the, the rajas, the rajastic principle of, the, of the, the, pra the practice has done its good work, 
and it begins to be established, then the m a more sattvic state becomes a possibility, becomes available. Pranayama, svasa means inhale, prasvasa means exhale, is such a thing. Um, and it, uh, and uh, to do pranayama, we need to be able to feel, experience subtler internal states. There's no reason of doing it before we have an access into that. Okay. Let's go on. 250. <coughs> Repeat after me. Bahya. Abhyantara. Stamba. Vrittihi. Deshakala. Sankhyabhihi. Paridristo. Tirka Sukshmaha. Very good. All right. So what this is, and I will go a little fast because look, I'm 25 minutes over now. So uh, it says that. Um, let me see my notes here. It is the definition of um, of pranayama. So it says pranayama has three uh, components. One is inhale, exhale, and retention. That is one. Um, the next one that is uh, 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 another principle is that the breath should be subtle and long. There must be an extension of the breathing, and they and they must be subtle. And that's if you start to read into into uh, I think Hatha Pradipika, they say you should have like a flame, certain amount of space in front of your nose that you cannot blow the flame out and stuff like that. So in that way, it should be subtle, and they measure it like that. And the third one is number, place, and time. So how many repetitions of this breathing exercise are you doing? Where are you putting your air? The place of that. Are you retaining it internally or externally? And finally, for how long time are you holding the air out or in? Does that make sense? So the first is inhale, exhale, retention. The, se the second thing is that these inhale, exhales, and retention should be subtle and long. And the last one is of three again. It is number, place, and time. How many repetitions? Where are you putting your air, inside or outside, and for how long are you putting it there? Okay. All right. Two fifty-one. He continues. Bahya bhyantara vishayaksha pe chaturtaha. So I'll repeat after me. Bahya. Bahya. Abhyantara. Abhyantara. Vishayaksha pe. Chaturtaha. So you know what chatur means. Chatwari means four. So what he says here is that the bahya bhyantara, the um, uh, inhale and the where you put your air inside or outside. Um, there's also a fourth way of doing this because in the one we just went over, he says there's three <coughs> ways of doing this. Now he says there's a fourth way of doing this, and then he doesn't say anymore. <laughs> just like he did with the seven stages, you know, and then he was like. And I'm not. That's the advanced course that costs five thousand dollar. So he's not telling us um, what the fourth um, uh, pranayama is. And there are some uh, speculations that we can do. And if we had more time, we would do that. But uh, in principle, we don't know what Patanjali refers to. 
we would need to find another text. If you, I just read a text last time I was in India from uh, Vignana Bhikshu, uh, what was the name of that text? Yoga, yoga I forgot, no, I forgot what it's called. And he went into that. He went into some commentaries and speculations about what that fourth uh, was, but we won't go in there today. All right, so the 52, Tataha Kshiyate Prakasha Avaranam, wonderful one. Repeat after me, Tataha Kshiyate Prakasha Avaranam. So Prakasha means the, the sattvic light. Um, so what, and, and uh, Avaranam, I think, as far as I recall, means the covering. So what we are uh, talking about here is the lamp of knowledge that has been covered by a shade. And what it says here is that Tataha, when we're doing that, that we were just talking about, the pranayama, when we're doing that, holding the air according to these prescripts, then the veil, the covering that is um, creating avidya, that is creating darkness around us, that is uh, restricting the light, is being removed, yeah, or being thinned. Awesome. So he says, if you do pranayama, then you uh, lose your avidya. All right. That is a good way to do it. 53, right? 53. Repeat after me. Taranasucha. Manasaha. And when you do this, concentration gets easier. When this veil starts to loosen, then your concentration gets more possible. He's leading up to Pratyahara and Tarana. He's leading up to these two now. All right. And 20, no, 54. Svavisaya. Svavisaya Ivendriyanam pratyaharaha. <coughs> Repeat after me. Svavisaya. Samprayoge. Chitasya. Svasvarupa. Anukaraha. Ivendriyanam pratyaharaha. Alright, so he says, this is the definition of pratyahara. So when the organs of, perce of perception is withdrawn and under our control that we call pratyahara. Um, so what he's saying is that when our organs of perception, our seeing, hearing, tasting, uh, and our organs of action, our eyes, ears, tongues, hands, skin, uh, and so forth, is, n is beginning to lose interest in the external world, when these organs start to turn away from the external world and into the internal world, which is the mind, then um, the sense perceptions cannot reach the mind. Does that make sense? So now there's no contact between your senses and what is perceived. When you make a disconnect there, bah, then you cannot perceive. Here's an example of that. There's Dave. This perception of Dave through my eyes is reaching my mind. Duck. 
and it's creating this image back there of Dave and some emotions and all that and I'm really sad that I said that maybe I would kick him out of the yoga studio that was not true <laughs> right so all that reaches me and now I will disconnect that uh, sense perception with my brain it's not there anymore now there's still a fragrance of what it what there was when I still had the same the sense perception open but it's not there anymore yeah, so now I'm controlling that sense. I'm pulling back from the sense perception of Dave. Very simple. Okay. When we do that, we can begin to find concentration. It's very simple, right? Here's Dave. There's this same sense perception of Dave coming into me, and it's creating all this stuff, British going on in my head. When I cut it off, duck. Then I stopped new information coming in. Now I have the possibility to see what's going on inside. Maybe I can clear out the perception of David and everything I feel and think about it. And then I can put instead something that is, of, for me, more useful. Like, for instance, my Easter Devata, my favorite expression of God. And then I can start to work towards that. Yeah? So that would be Pratyahara. So we are trying to disconnect from what is non-essential to what is essential. It could also be a feeling. Ooh, I feel so stiff and yucky and tired. Okay, so that sense possession, I need to kind of like, like detach from that uh, uh, perception to be able to do my practice. Good. Last one, 55. Tataha Parama Vasya Tendrianam. Let me try that again. Tataha Parama Vasya Tendrianam. Repeat after me. Tataha Paramaha Vasya Tendrianam. All right. So when we learn to disconnect the incoming stimuli with the connection to our sense organs, then we have the opportunity to experience true pratyahara, where nothing touches us anymore. But we must be skillful in the ability of connecting, disconnecting. Yeah? Because it is in this, um, it is with this skill that we get our lives back and we can curb the avidya asmita ragadvesha abhinivesha. We can, the kleshas, we can start to work like to disconnect from what we like and what we don't like and what we're afraid of and what we think is good for me or like what is relevant for me and so forth yeah and with that we come to the final word here it is the word in red maybe you can see let's see thank you so much um, so I admit that I had hoped that we would be able to get into the first 10 uh, of the third chapter, 
because if you have noticed, we haven't addressed the, la addressed the last three angas of the Ashtanga Yoga paradigm. And why is that? That is because Patanjali he puts it in the next chapter. <coughs> why does he put it in the next chapter? Because it goes into the internal and into, um, we are working the external uh, limbs and then the results of the external limbs is the, the internal limbs. It is that we can concentrate, that we can uh, go into meditation and deep absorption. And when we can go into that, then there's a whole new world that opens up where we get all these new boons, all these new um, siddhihi, vibhutis, what is it that they that they translate them into powers. We get all these new powers. And that's what the next chapter is about. But um, so that's why it's there. I don't know what's there now. Anyhow, um, I would like to thank you for coming every day and listening to me trying to get better. And um, it has been so wonderful to get all your questions. I'm sorry I cut you off today. And it has been so interesting to, for me just to be able to put words to this knowledge. Um, and I go home every day and I find myself, I was like, yeah, I was actually able to express that a little better than I thought. Like, was I really? We would have to ask you if I was. And at other moments, like, I'll be like, I need to do some more work on that. You know, I, that didn't come across very well there today. So thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. It's been very, very useful uh, for me. And also the talks that we've had after, I've really enjoyed. You know, like when they say there's a class and then there's a Q&A after. And then it's like, uh, and, I th and there's what when there's Q&A, there's often still this same formal relationship. But I felt like after class, that's been like the structure flattened in a really nice way where there was like joint conversation, you know, back and forth in a more flat structure that was, yes, less formal. Yeah, like chit-chatting. Little bit better than you get to do over dinner, you know, a little more. <laughs> but the same type a little bit. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this last lecture in Tim Feldman's Yoga Sutra lecture series. There's six in total, so if you missed one, you can go back and listen to it now. So you have a comprehensive overview of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, chapters one and two by Tim Feldman. I hope you enjoy them. If you're interested in studying or practicing more with Tim, he will be teaching a lot of different courses in our Ashtanga Practitioners Intensive. It's a one-month course, and it's starting soon, June 14th. But we do have a couple spots left. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to our website under the API tab, or you can email me, monica at miamilivecenter.com. Tim will also be teaching a six-day Mysore style and lecture uh, workshop in November. So in the morning there'll be Mysore classes and in the afternoon there'll be more of these Yoga Sutra lectures. So if you want to study with him in person with the Yoga Sutra lectures, maybe get a little bit more in depth, then this is a really good opportunity. You can find more information on that on our website. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Chat and Chai Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. Don't forget to rate and review us if you have any feedback.
And if you're ever in Miami, make sure you stop by our Shala in South Beach, take some classes, meet our teachers. We'd love to meet you. Namaste.